Welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name's Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by the number one jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, everybody. Draft time, baby. Let's go. Mock Madness is upon us, and to help us through Mock Madness Part 1, you know we have the Wookiee, the greatest tight end in Division 1 history, the big second Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk. Welcome to the show. What's going on, everybody? Uh, side note, I did play a couple of games in the NFL, so Keith is actually accurate. There you go, guys. There we go. And you know, we also have the greatest high school coach in the nation today, my cousin Sammy in the building. Sammy O'Hare, what's up, man? What's going on, everybody? I had to bring the intros with a little bit more oomph than I brought last week when I was on my deathbed, guys. Okay, those are those are lame-ass intros I came at you with. I got to hype my boys up when the show starts. I was pathetic last week, but I can't. I brought it today. I'm going to give myself five out of five stars today. And you know what we have coming for you guys, ABG Nation today, Mock Madness Part 1. First half of the first round we're going to knock through today. Now, if you look the past couple years, Mike, I mean, we don't do a lot of patting ourselves on the back. A lot of love podcasts love to do that. They need to reinforce. Look what I said. Look what I said. I said this. I said this. I said this. Okay. Me and Mike get shit right all the time. Every once in a while, we'll let you know about it. But our mocks the past two years, we destroyed Mel Kuyper. You can't hold the candle to us, Mel Kuyper, with these mock drafts. Me and Mike doing the research, trying to project this draft the most accurate way possible. We've done a great job the last two years. We're going to do it again today. Before we get into that, there's not a lot of news and notes in the world of the New York Jets, aside from draft stuff. No matter where you look. All the articles today in the post, in the Daily News, online, on ESPN, on Sports Illustrated, all about the draft, guys. The only thing I could think about that I was kicking around with Mike was something that broke today, which was that Kyler Murray is talking to his agent, says he wants a new contract, may want to be traded, blah, blah, blah. Mike posed the question to me, what would you think about him coming to New York? And I'm going to throw it to the boys here. I'm going to give him my opinion real quick. The only concern I would have when it comes to Kyler Murray, obviously, was the number one pick in the draft. He's played at a great level so far, has improved every year. Fantasy football-wise, he's been great. He's won games. I'm a little concerned. Now, these are all just reports, but I'm a little concerned about where his headspace is because if you're getting stressed out and being wishy-washy and you're down in the dumps in Arizona with five beat reporters, how would he then be in New York if they're struggling and there's a hundred people asking you questions you don't want to have, you know, thrown in your face. I don't know. I, I'm not concerned with the physical aspect of Colin Murray. Maybe the mental aspect scares me a little bit. Mike, we didn't get to chop it up about that. What is your opinion when it comes to Murray? You know, if the Jets could get him, is that someone you'd be interested in bringing into New York? And it's yeah, he's so talented. He's young, and he's he's already shown ability to be a franchise quarterback. I think he does. He I think he may be a little emo. Um, we all know he's vertic- <laughs> we all know he's vertically we all know he's vertically challenged, but that hasn't really put to bed his ability to execute in the NFL. But um, if he does have emotional issues, that's you and Nick agree. You know, if you have um, issues emotionally, if you're not confident, if you're easily distracted or easily uh, uh, triggered. Um, you're not going to bode well. That's why Eli Manning did so well in New York. I got to give I got to give the man that because nothing, nothing affected Eli. Like he would throw four interceptions. Media would be all over him. He'd be like, yeah, you know, we played hard. Uh, Never bothered him. Nothing. Just right. Poker <laughs> face every time. Yeah, Do you guys yeah. remember Randy Johnson? His first time he came to New York, he like got out of a cab and like tackled it was, a photographer. It was the absolute. <laughs> you brought that up and vividly in my mind, like it was yesterday. He's walking down the street, this gigantic bird of a human, and the New York press is just doing their job. Hey, yeah. uh, Randy Johnson came to the Yankees. We should probably say what's up to him real quick. 
and he's just pushing hands away yeah. with his giant bird arms. I, like, I thought that God. was so funny. I mean, yo, like we said, some people, we always make, we live in New York. I don't make a move, but, you know, this is where you grew up and spent your entire life. So we're just kind of used to, like, the media being jerks to people. But I, some people aren't used to that, and they've been catered to as a special little athlete their entire life. Especially someone like Kyler Murray. So I don't know. What do you think, Sammy, when it comes to Murray, New York? You know, his skills on the field, very unique player. Like Mike said, not the biggest guy, but the height hasn't really affected him too much in the NFL. His completion percentage is tremendous every year. You think he'd be someone that could succeed here in New York if, if, the, if the Jets were in play? Uh, he probably would succeed. I just think it would be the biggest mistake for the Jets. Like you, you said, you've built up all this draft capital. You've invested in Wilson. You've, you've kind of set yourself up where you're in like a grade A position in terms of like a GM coach's standpoint. So to go out, give up all that stuff that you just acquired to get a guy who is young and does have a lot of talent and could be good. Yeah, I mean, it's not the same as getting a guy who is really good and proven and mentally has the acumen. So I, I, it's still just as much of a risk to me. I mean, we know Kyler Murray wasn't able to finish out last year. So is that sort of telling into what his future could be as well? You know, I mean, yeah, is he it like Philip Rivers, where he's the best regular season quarterback of yeah. all time? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, Sammy, he he would be the best quarterback on the Jets in over a deck. I mean, it's not even close. We know what oh, he yeah, is, sure. okay? And it's like I don't know with Zach. I hope, I pray, you know, and I want to keep the course. I want to keep the faith, but I don't know. But I do know, I do know Murray is good really good like that's not a question that we're getting a really good young quarterback like i'm at the point where i'm kind of like i just want to know that i have confidence at that play at that i don't even i'm not even looking for a, a hall of famer just give me a f effing quarterback that can you know give me a chance to win on every sunday that's that's at almost i'm almost at that place yeah yeah, and you look at his stats the last couple of years with Murray, um, the completion percentage last year was almost 70%. Didn't run in as much last year. I think he ran for around 500 yards. We know he missed three games last year, but he's been pretty efficient. But um, I don't know, if he was slam dunk in every single category, like Sammy said, I think it'd be a little easier for Jet fans. Might sound crazy, but considering all they've done to build up around Zach, all this draft capital they built and the place we're going, say Zach's just the guy, then you give up nothing. And you already have the guy. Right, so I'm like, I know what Sammy's getting out there, and I know those little short quarterbacks, man, they have emotions. Small people, everyone knows small people have big emotions. Okay, Sammy's Sammy's wife, ask her right now. I think she's only four foot eleven, and she's wild as fuck. Yeah, My, I'm married to a five foot Korean. Get her, man. See how that goes. So small people, they have a lot of emotions inside of them. They'll say this, man. He has the last couple of years played well, but like Sammy said, toward the end of the season. So I know he missed three games last year. And the, the Cardinals as a whole kind of fell apart the end of the past two seasons, guys. I know their coach has been on the hot seat because of that. Murray didn't play that great. He didn't play. I, one thing I didn't like, can I say this? He didn't play good in the playoff game and blamed everybody else. I mean, the whole team, the team... And there's things on ESPN that showed you how they failed him completely. Offensive line was blocking no one, right? Kid had no one to throw to. I get it. I'm not saying it's all Kyler Murray's fault, but I don't like that approach when you're a quarterback. You know, you're the you're the leader of the team. I don't care what your age is, man. Can't do that. Can't throw your team under the bus and point fingers at everyone else and take no responsibility for how you played. Because he played decent versus the Rams in the regular season, but in the playoffs, he did not play well at all, guys. That was one of the worst games he's had in his entire career. I mean, let's be honest. So um, at your lowest point, a lot of times is where people see your true colors. And as, so far as Kyler Murray goes, we didn't see that, um, you know, him show that much acumen last year when it comes to the integrity aspect of his game. But guys... Let's just get right into this. I know why you're here. I know why you're playing the podcast. I know why you're on the YouTube right now, staring at our beautiful faces. You want to hear the mock madness. You want to hear what we got in the mock, because this is the most on-point mock draft in the business today. So let's get into it. Mock madness, part one, picks one through 16. Let's go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, everybody. Mock madness 2022 is upon us. All this disinformation that gets pumped out into the universe before the draft. I love it. Javon Walker all of a sudden is the greatest player of all time. He's Reggie White now, Javon Walker. You didn't know and knew about him three months ago, you know? All these players that shoot up the board, shoot down the board, like a Kyle Hamilton, um, like a guy, Burks out there. You never know where these guys are going to go. It's a lot of fun doing the research, digging into teams' needs, trying to uh, think in your head, how is this going to work out? You know, who are the Jets going to take? Who are the G-Men going to take? I know the, the, the Wookiee cannot wait to talk about that. So let's get right into it, Michael. Let's just start right at the top. Pick number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. You've heard a lot of nonsense this week, Michael. Trevon Walker could get gripped. 
This guy could get gripped. That guy could get gripped. Maybe they'll take an offensive lineman. Who do you think the Jaguars are grabbing overall number one? Who do you got? Me, if I uh, was running the Jaguars, my investment would be protecting Lawrence overall because that's my most important asset. So I would probably go after a lineman, but I don't believe they're going to really do that. And I say that for this reason. One, uh, they did franchise tag Cam Robinson, who just really who signed his franchise tag. He's good enough to protect. As of now, it's not like that. Um, there isn't s s significant protection for one for for the quarterback. And then the second thing is, if you look at the edge position for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Arden Key, mad inconsistent. He's not a guy that you can really rely on. And then when you look at Josh Allen, he's up for a new contract. He may or may not be with the Jaguars next year. So, given that and given how important that uh, position is and how potentially bare they could be. I think they're going edge and I think they're going with Aiden Hutchinson. And I think they're going with Aiden Hutchinson because I think he is the most polished. And I think they're going with Aiden Hutchinson because I think he is the most polished, uh, best prospect in this draft. He may not have the highest upside, but he is a tremendous pass rusher. And I think he's going to fit in well there in Jacksonville. Josh Allen there in Jacksonville, guys, is a decent pass rusher. We know he had the 10 sacks as a rookie. He's good. I think I agree with Mike because Aiden Hutchinson is someone that if he projects to what they're saying, could be 12 to 15 sacks a year. Just the physical specimen. He has the size, 6'6", 260. Um, we know technically he's as efficient as it gets at defensive end. Hurt the ankle there in 2020, came back last year and was tremendous. Very powerful at the point of attack, 14 sacks last year, as we know. He can play upright as an outside linebacker, too, because he's fast enough to do that. I looked at all the things you said, Mike. Um, I think it'd be smart for them to grab, maybe grab a Neal, maybe grab an O'Connell. But I, I'm saying when it comes to the Jaguars and what they did in the offseason, they spent every dollar they had in free agency. Right? This is the team, apparently, that wants to win right now. And I think that defense is in need of an edge an edge rusher. It's the biggest needs they have. I agree with you, Mike, at number one. I went ahead and selected Aiden Hutchinson there to the Jaguars. I think that's kind of uh, a no-brainer. I think all, like, all this other stuff you see and the smoke you see put out there is just to maybe to get a baby to team to trade with them or something. They're not going to go and take Trevon Walker at number one. I mean, that would be ridiculous to do at number one. He's a projection. Hutchinson, you know, kind of is a more of a sure thing. Coming in here at number two, Mike, and I'm going to throw to you for your number two pick, um, is the Detroit Lions. Now, in my perfect world, guys, Kayvon Thibodeau becomes a New York Jet. That's who I want the Jets to select it for. If he was available for, that's who I think we would take it for. But I just don't see him making it to number four. I, I know there's a lot of stuff out there about him dropping in the draft. There's stock dropping. Rich Samini doesn't even think he's going to be a top five pick. I don't see that at all because one of the biggest needs on the lines is defensive end. Now, I know they need a quarterback, so you don't get me wrong. But in the situation they're in with Goff, I think that they're going to run it back with him next year or maybe figure something else out further down in the first round or the top of the second at quarterback with a prospect. And I think they're taking Kayvon Thibodeau, number two here, guys. We know he had the 19 sacks in three years. We did a whole show on him already. We talked to Max Torres, how great he is. Um, he maybe is the most talented player in this draft. And I think a lot of the negative things you've heard come out about him are just, you know, it's just strategic moves by teams to hope he drops. Teams like the Giants at five, maybe you're putting that out there. Oh, his attitude, this and that. I just don't see him getting that far in the draft, guys. He's the edge rusher that they need. They have a huge hole there. Mike at number two, I got Kayvon Thibodeau going to the Lions. Yeah, man, that's what I got too. I mean, if you look at the Lions, they need a quarterback. They need edge. They need safety. You could say your boy out of Notre Dame could be a spot here because they do need safety. You could say they go quarterback, but the quarterbacks seem to be jabronis in this draft. So I'm not sure in anyone he's going to be drafted at that point. So I agree with you. Um, we'll talk about Trayvon Walker here. I, I cannot, I don't care what Jeremiah or any of these analysts say about Trayvon Walker. I don't see it. So I, I've seen the tape. I understand he's got measurables. I understand he, the man's of a, a, a Greek god, or actually that's Karloftis. Car but um, I'm sorry, guys. I don't see – I'm not a GM speaking with the number two pick, someone who had nine sacks his entire career. I, I'm sorry. I don't care how damn athletic you are. So I got Kevin Thibodeau as well. I think that would be the right pick for them, and I – would be really surprised if they don't go KT. I'd be very, very happy. Um, and so then the question is at three, does the text do the Texans go with Trayvon Walker? See that that becomes the, what the question is. 
And I'm going to tell you guys now, and Sammy, I'll ask you, I'll start you, I'll start with you. Let's say Trayvon Walker does go to Detroit and Kayvon Thibodeau is on the board at three. I don't think the Houston Texans take Kayvon Thibodeau. And, I'll, and the reason why I don't think they do that is because of what happened with Deshaun Watson and the character questions that are around Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't think there's a problem with Kayvon and his character, but there's that perception. And I think that they would go in a different direction. And I believe because they have a young quarterback they're going to be trying to build around, they're going to draft Evan Neal, uh, offensive tackle. Um, that's what you do when you're looking to invest in, and rebuild. You you build through the trenches. And I think they're going to get the, the who they think is the most solid uh, um, tackle out there. What do you think about that, Sammy? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, both your picks, I thought first two, spot on. Um, especially because we know that pass rush is such a premium. So if you're the Lions, you do what you can with golf. Like you said, address it later and build off somebody for a couple of years and, and at least build a defense. At number three, I had Evan Neal going to the Texans. I think it's a smart move for them. They don't necessarily need, they need a lot of different things, right? But if you're building a team and a core, I mean, look at all the successful teams that have done this. They have a young quarterback and a strong offensive tackle, particularly left tackle. Um, it could be right, but I think Houston Texans go Neil 100%, um, and that leaves the Jets their pick of the litter. So I'm interested to hear what you guys have for number four, because for me at least, I have them taking Sauce Gardner. So Before we get ahead of ourselves, let me just chime in with my number three pick here. Um, I don't think that the Texans would be smart to do what Mike said and what Sammy said and take an offensive lineman, but the Texans aren't smart, and they don't make good picks, and they blow it every single year. In every single way you could possibly imagine, that guy Nick Casario was an absolute clown shoe of a general manager in, in Houston. And I don't think they're doing that at all. I think this hype, I mean, they, they do need defensive line help. They need a defensive tackle, they need a defensive end. Me and Mike have already spoken on Trayvon Walker. I think Boomer Bus, is there a higher level Boomer Bus guy in this draft than him right now? I don't think so. He could either be projected to be Pro Bowl level or just be a complete scrub. When me and Mike went through and we did the defensive end rankings, Mike, when we went through it, I mean, we had him as the fourth best defensive end. But go ahead and Google it right now. Look at the Texans. Look at all these mock drafts. I mean, 95% of them have Trevon Walker going to the Texans. Logically, I understand what you guys are saying, but I think they're going to grip this guy up because they don't want to – they're going to hear, oh, he could have been the number one pick, and they're going to scoop him up. So I think coming in at number three, not because I think he's a great player, just because I think the Texans annually do blow this. They're going to get caught up in the hype, and they do need help on the defensive line. I don't think they're going to be smart enough to grab an offensive lineman there. I don't know if these offensive linemen, any of them, are good enough to go number three overall. I think they're going to go ahead and go with Walker. And then that leaves us here at number four. Michael, I'm going to throw to you. I want to hear what Mike has here at number four. I think we're in agreement. We might even be in agreement with Sam here. If all three, Trevon Walker, we're not interested in anyway. If Thibodeau's gone, Hutchinson's gone, Walker's off the board. We're here at number four, Mike. Okay? You know what our weaknesses are. You know what we need. Who do you have the Jets grabbing? Okay, so JD is someone who believes in building through the trenches. He believes in defensive line. He believes in offensive line. And I believe that I believe that JD, the New York Jets, are really sold on taking an edge at four. I, I think that he's going to do what he can to take an edge. But in a case like this, um, you got to take the best prospect out there. And to me, at this point, there's no question that Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, is the best prospect on the board. This kid, okay, he had 800 pass defense snaps, zero touchdowns allowed last year. Now, take back on him is that he's not the greatest tackler, if you want to say, but he's built to play cornerback. This guy plays man. He's able to play zone. He has the length, the crazy athletic length. He has the speed. I, um, I, I don't think that seeing him as a prospect, I can't see JD pass up on him because this is a guy I think would be a starting cornerback for us for the foreseeable future. I'm not saying he's going to be Darrell Revis, but he would probably be the second best cornerback uh, prospect that we've had in, in our franchise history. 
Coming in here at number four, Mike, I'm gonna, first of all, have to agree with you. Now, if we get to four and Sauce is here, which I think he will be, I've seen some mocks with them going two to the Lions, don't get me wrong, they do need a cornerback. Um, but I think you just, you can't pass on this guy at number four. If all these defensive ends are gone, I want the Jets to get Thibodeau. If he's there at four, you have to grab him, okay? But I just don't see him being there at four. And you, if you were to make a prototypical NFL 2022 cornerback, right? You made him in Madden. You'd make him to look like Sauce Gardner. You'd make him 6'3". He had the long limbs and the wingspan like Sauce Gardner had. Mike mentioned how many passes last year he was on the field for, no touchdowns. He's allowed zero touchdowns ever in coverage in his college career. Zero touchdowns in coverage in his entire career in college. That's unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. 4.4140 time here, guys. If they drafted him, don't forget, also, Michael, your favorite receiver, Jamison Williams, handled him. Sauce, handled that cat. Handled. Okay? We can yeah. say he was injured or whatever. No problem for him. Okay, so I looked at him and what he did last year. I think he's the best corner in this draft. And I look at the Jets who now signed DJ Reed, who's a baller. We have Bryce Hall. We have Pinnock last year. They grabbed this cat. The secondary's a problem now. Okay, the secondary actually all of a sudden has talent injected to it. I'm not saying Ashton Davis is so great, but Whitehead out there smashing people? Yeah. But Marcus Joyner can actually cover a little bit. And then you have DJ Reed and you have Sauce, okay? If they were able, if this unfolds like I'm hoping it does, we get Thibodeau at four. Doesn't happen that way. I'd be more than happy to get Sauce Michael, interject him into this um, defense next year. He could be a top of the NFL level cornerback for a really long time. The acceleration is ridiculous on him. Has the swag too, which you want to see here in New York. I'm not saying that Jamal Adams, emo, fake, emotional swag. I mean the real swag, real confidence on the field. Someone that people can have his jersey when he's a rookie and rock it for 10 years. That's the type of guy I think he is. Sam, I think you were saying Sauce is a guy you want to just to grab up number four also? Yeah, so little bit of a hot take, but I actually prefer them get Sauce Gardner over Thibodeau, even if both are available. And here's why. I think that Franklin Myers and Lawson, if you add a guy like Sauce Gardner who can lock down a dude, that opens up so much for you creatively to do with that front seven. And having a guy like Franklin Myers who had his best season last year, you're getting Carl Lawson back and you guys did a deep breakdown on Carl Lawson when we first got him. That guy puts pressure on quarterbacks. So I don't think it's necessarily the biggest need. I think getting a corner that you can have for seven years who's a lockdown guy, look at what these guys like Gilmore did on the Patriots. We've seen it twice a year. It opens up your whole defense. So for me, a guy like he allowed I think it was 13 catches for 177 yards all season last year. Like that's besides his zero touchdowns in 35 games, that's a ridiculous, ridiculous coverage ability. So adding a guy like him, I, I think is a home run for the Jets at four. And I think it fits more to what we mostly need as opposed to something that could just really help us. But I, I think this is a better fit defensively. Yeah. And you look, Sammy, at the last time we had a really good defense and we had that Darrell Revis on Revis Island out there just shutting people down. Rex Ryan was able to get really creative in all these other ways with that defense because he just knew Revis was going to lock a dude down. That's the type of guy Sauce Gardner is. I want to ask you, Wookie. Now, defensive end, corner, two of the highest paid positions in the NFL after quarterback. And there's a reason why. If you could get Thibodeau or you can get Gardner, you're the Jets. Say they're both on the board, Wook. Which one are you taking? I get Gardner. Um, even though cornerback is probably a little harder to project, even though, uh, despite how great he is from college to NFL, than defensive end, uh, you can kind of get more of a feel for defensive ends, whether, if it's going to translate or not, but the kid is six, two, he's beyond athletic. And as Sammy mentioned, you get that kid for seven years and that's a lot, that's half the field that's gone for the most part. I, I just don't see how you could pass up on something like that. I'm hoping he falls to five. I'm hoping people just screw up left and right, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because if, if he happens to fall to five and the Giants don't take him, assuming Thibodeau's gone, um, because I'd have to reconsider, even as much as I love cornerbacks, we need a, we need a rush. Um, I, I'd be in fits if the Giants didn't scoop him if he was available. I like you guys. I like where your head's at, guys. Um, I want to say here, coming in at number five is the New York Giants. Giants have a lot of holes on the team. They could fill, as you know, Wookie. I think that edge, offensive line, corner, Giants could use a corner also. Tight end, they could use also. 
Um, this is one of the more difficult picks for me to make. And even this mock itself. Because, guys, you know how normally when you look at a mock draft or how a draft's going to go, there's some big-name quarterbacks that are out there that you know and they're going to kind of dictate the way the draft goes? We don't have that this year. We, we, we don't have these big-name quarterbacks. We don't have a Saquon Barkley running back. So it's it's kind of, to me, a little tricky to pick the G-Men because they have so many needs. But I do think, me personally at five, and I've seen this in a lot of mocks also, I think they're going offensive line. I think they're going to grab a Quanu. I think he's the best. Him and Neil are the two best offensive linemen. They're 1A, 1B in this draft. Um, NC State, 6'4", 320. Best, I think he is the best offensive lineman, like I said, in the draft with Neil. I know Andrew Thomas is improving. Did pretty decent last year. This guy, I think, is a much better player than Andrew Thomas. Keep Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Maybe have him over at right tackle. Improve that line for the Giants. Because if you look on paper, you're, you're back with Daniel Jones next year. You're going to give the kid another shot, right? You might as well give him another offensive lineman. Barkley's going to be coming back. You'll have Galladay back healthy. You would think at least... There is players on the offense that if there's some time there for a quarterback, they could do okay. But the offense, offensive line right now, obviously, uh, offensive line right now needs some help for the Giants. What are you thinking, Mike, at number five for the G-Men? A lot of different directions they can go. What do you think they're going to do at number five? Yeah, I think they're exactly going to go with the Quanu. I think that um, Joe Douglas, um, if he doesn't go Sauce Gardner, I think that he takes a Quanu. Um, we talked about this with the offensive line and... And even though the Jets may not absolutely need him right now, he, you know, this is more of a long-term investment. Um, and I think Quano actually is the best offensive lineman in the draft. He's definitely the best run-blocking uh, tackle in the draft. Uh, I think uh, the Giants need this position, and I believe this would be a home run for them. Uh, they get a Quano, and that's a, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. Thinking here at number six, my Carolina Panthers. A lot of needs. Quarterbacks obviously need, even though they traded for Sam last year. A lot of directions they can go. We were chopping up a little bit earlier today about what we thought was going to happen here. What do you think is going to happen at number six, Mike? So um, I know, you know, when I go to the store and I shop for food, I always try to do it after I've eaten and not when I'm hungry. Because if I go when I'm hungry, I'm going to grab things that I don't really want because I'm desperate. I'm hungry, I'm starving, and I make bad decisions when I'm desperate. And unfortunately for the Carolina Panthers, they did get our garbage Sam Darnold. I don't mean to call him that, but they are very, very desperate. I mean, <laughs> that, that, I mean, I listened to my boy Bennett. You remember Bennett? He, he, fourth game in complaining why does he keep doing this he's throwing interceptions rule keep it they are in such a bad state and then they got cam newton back and they thought cam was gonna like be their savior and he was even worse so i think rule knows that the writing's on the wall and i believe he thinks the only way to get out of this potentially would be getting restarting the clock and that would be by drafting a quarterback and what better quarterback to draft than the one that you recruited back at Temple when he was just a junior in high school, and that is uh, Kenny Pickett. I think Pickett's a scrub. I think that Pickett, we're going to hear a lot of gifts about Pickett, got picked, Pickett. I can't wait because my boy Bennett, I'm just going to, anyway. Um, and I think they're definitely going to draft. I think they're absolutely going to draft him, and he's going to—he's doing it, trying to save face, get the everybody up to speed. But I don't think, again, I, small hands. He he throws through terrible interceptions last year. I know he played at Pitt. I, I've, I'm not impressed with him in any way, and but I do think this is where the Panthers go. I'm see now I'm slightly surprised because I know when me and Mike were chopping it up earlier today, I didn't think Mike would go this way because he thinks Kenny Pickett's a scrub. But I actually think they're gonna do that. Me and Mike have never had a mock this similar in our entire life. This is crazy. I actually think they're gonna do the same thing, Mike. And this is the reason why everything you just said. I think Malik Willis might be someone that has potentially this great ceiling, right? But he played at Liberty. You played nobody. I mean, I, I can't bank on Malik Willis at number six. Kenny Pickett, even though he might not potentially have a ceiling like people think Malik Willis has, if you look at what he did in college, played five years. So, he's you know, he's like a, coming in here kind of almost like a veteran quarterback as a rookie. Not, not a flash in the pan there. Last year, the 42 touchdowns, his 40 time was pretty decent, has decent mobility. He can make all the throws. He broke all of Marino's records in college. He's got the, I know he has the small hands. Mike's never a fan of those little hands, guys. But 6'3", 220, so he does have the size. And then more importantly than that, Mike mentioned it right off the top. If you guys go look, he committed Kenny Pickett to Temple when Matt Rule was the coach there. And he ended up getting recruited to bigger schools and moved on and actually pulled that and went to Pittsburgh. But Matt Rule was loving it. He's the Jersey kid. Matt Rule's from Jersey. He was loving this kid back in the day. I think for all those reasons you mentioned, Mike, 
that's the direction they're going to go in. And next year, Kenny Pickett and Stan Darnold on the same squad down there in Carolina. Good luck with your quarterback situation, guys. Okay, knock yourselves out. I do remember last year when we did the show with our boys down there, Michael, and we did the kind of crossover pod with the Panthers guys. Um, they were thinking of all the positives in Darnold, and I know I felt under their skin, Mike. They felt he was just a scrub because of yeah. I knew. Of, I, I knew you, they me did. And you talked after the show. We were like, I don't think they get it. I don't what? think they're listening to what we're trying to tell these guys right now. And guess what? Every single person last year that didn't think we should have traded Sam and should have stuck it out and shouldn't have got Zach Wilson and it was the dumbest thing you could do, he was absolute garbage last year. Yeah. Garbage! He was garbage on the Jets. Now he's garbage on the Panthers. Now they're going to draft a quarterback. So the Jets made the right decision. I don't want to hear about it. And whoever we draft 38th with that pick, thank you, Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. On to yep. number seven. And the New yep. York Giants guys, um, and and, and 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 it's not though, and and so you agree, but this isn't my war the worst pick that to me on the board. The worst pick will be the next one, and I have the Giants, the New York Football Giants, taking Trevon Walker because they need edge, they need safety, they could go Kyle Hamilton, and I think Wookie would love that, mm -hmm. right, Wook? You would love, or no? Okay, well, no, he probably You're doesn't. Muted. And he's on mute. He's on mute. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. No, I, I wouldn't mind Hamilton. I wouldn't oh, mind him at this oh, spot. I okay. think he might want to grab a corner, but. Yeah, you could go Stingley too. But I think that if Walker is on the board here, I think this is where you go. Personally, what I think is going to happen, you're trading out of that pick. That's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to trade out of that pick and the Chargers or some teams coming up to go grab Malik Willis or whatever. I think yeah. you're trading the pick. Just officially know that. But if you stay and Walker's on the board the way my my mock is falling, this you guys take him because you know he's uh, he fills a need and his ceiling is too high and you take him. Giants love I'd to draft. Oh, sorry. Line. No, no, I, you guys love to draft defensive linemen that no one ever. Oh my god! Game, just like we do. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I'd rather at this point, if this was, I mean, if him and Jermaine Johnson were available, I'd rather take Jermaine Johnson. Hell that. yes! Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, we're, we're on the same page, Wookie. And I actually, I mean, think, I'd rather the DN. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think the Giants have a pretty glaring need here at safety. I don't even if, if Trevon Walker's on the board. I have him already gone in my mock guys. I could see the Giants grabbing him up too, Mike. I think that's a solid pick. But I do think it'd be hard to pass on Kyle Hamilton at seven. You look at a lot of these overall grades of the players in the draft. He's number one or two. He's like above Hutchinson on some of these things. I mean, you look at what he did in college. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I watched that kid play every game of his career. He's not like a normal safety. 6'4", 220. He crushes people, right? And he can cover all over the field. And he's a leader off the field. And the acumen you have, his dad was a professional basketball player. Um, he's someone that, to me, is just kind of a... If he was there at seven and the Giants don't grab him, that, to me, would be a giant mistake. Like Mike said, he sees the giant mistake happening. I don't think they're that stupid. I think a G-Man is going to go ahead and grab him at seven. Walker there, if he's on the board, I could see that happening as well. Coming in here at number eight, we have the Falcons. Now, the Falcons, as we know, guys, Calvin Ridley's not playing next season. He's suspended, I think, for the whole season, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. Pitts is there. They got Marcus Mariota at Q. They got Corderell Patterson at running back. I mean, they have a mess of a situation on offense. And I think it's tough for them to go past this pick. They might trade down because a lot of good receivers. But I just see the Falcons taking a receiver here. And I don't think they're going to go ahead and grab Drake London. I don't think they're going to take a Lave. I think the first guy off the board is the guy Mike had as the sixth best receiver. I think a lot of these NFL teams love him and what he could do, and that's Garrett Wilson. Um, I think, really, like I said, it's out for the year. They need some targets. He's someone you can go next year, give him 100 targets. He's going to be productive. You can count on him next year, I think, right away. Um, edge rusher is possible here as well. You could see a Jermaine Johnson go here if he's on the board still. If Walker was still out there, you could see them grab him. They have a huge hole at edge rusher, too. But I don't see anyone that – they have no one to throw the ball to. Like, you, we, we were looking on our chat. They have no actual proven NFL receivers to throw the ball to. Jet fans, we know what that feels like. We've seen that with Sam Darnold with some injuries in our, our wide receiver core. And then even um last year with some injuries, you know, when some guys were banged up, some of the guys who were thrown out. You can't just plug in practice squad guys or, you know, mediocre receivers and think you're going to go out there and just complete 30 passes. It doesn't happen in the NFL. Okay, not if you don't have a great quarterback and they don't have a great quarterback. 
Marcus Mariota is not a great quarterback. So I don't see how they get past this spot, to me at least, and take a weapon for the offense, Mike. I got them going Garrett Wilson, number eight. What do you think? So I agree that wide receiver seems to be the main uh, narrative pick for the Atlanta Falcons. And I want to ask, um, I'm going to give my opinion here, and I'm going to ask Sammy if, if you agree with this, Sammy. I think if I'm someone building a, a franchise, right, again, you build from the inside out, okay? And right now, the Falcons don't really have anything uh, uh, when you're looking at a core team, okay? They've got the tight end, uh, the receiver's gone, they have no quarterback. So I'm thinking they're going to be starting to put together a plan to get a new quarterback someday. Maybe they're going to draft one next season. And they could grab a wide receiver right now. They could, but who's throwing to him? Mariota? Like what? Like you get a receiver to me after you have your quarterback and your offensive line, you know, somewhat solidified. You don't, you don't grab receivers and then they're just out there with scrub quarterbacks throwing to them. So in my opinion, at this point, there's only three really good offensive line tackles in this draft. Two of them are gone and one of them is left. And I believe that Charles Cross, so six, what is he, 6'5"? Yeah, he's out of Mississippi State, 6'5", uh, um, beast. He has elite pass rushing, uh, pass protection skills. I feel like this is the last time you're going to have the ability to grab a an elite type prospect at the offensive line and to me it makes sense you grab this guy you put him in at right tackle or left tackle and then now you've got that solid that solidification there to then get a quarterback later so that quarterback could be drafted just like jack wilson was drafted and we had beckton obviously he got hurt um when he takes over as a rookie that to me is the most logical choice and that's what i think the atlanta falcons are going to do yeah, I mean, to your point, I think that would make sense, but I'm kind of in the same camp as Keith is with the Texans. Like, the Falcons always find some way to fuck it up. And I, excuse my French, um, but I think with the Falcons, I think they're looking for somebody who's going to change the way that they play on either side of the ball. And I think the Falcons will go out and take a guy like Kyle Hamilton simply because they want somebody on the defense side who's going to put people in the seats and give them a leader that they can build around defensively going forward. I think offensively, they don't know what they're going to look like because Ridley's out. Piffs is going to be in his second year. Patterson had a, a phenomenal year last year, but he's really old. So who knows if he can do that again. So I think you go out and you get a guy like Hamilton who you can build your defense around. And then I think for them next year, you're like, all right, Mariota wasn't the answer. I'm looking at quarterback. I don't think their offensive line is it's it's not great, but it's not the Cincinnati Bengals, you know. So for them, I I, I wouldn't really see them taking the offensive tackle. I have them taking Hamilton just because I think he's too much of a game changer for them to not take him. Yeah, okay. yeah, that makes sense. Like I mean, I can see them going all those ways. All those things are logical. I know their top two receivers right now. Zacchaeus, I think that's how you pronounce the guy's last name. He had 400 yards last year, and Demir Bird had 300 yards last year, and then Auden Tate. They don't have an NFL receiver on their team, so if you do protect your quarterback and have no one to throw to, it doesn't really help you that much. So, I mean, this, you can argue that both directions. But when it comes to Seattle here at number nine, Seattle's another team that has a bunch of holes on the squad. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be taking the safety, guys, but I do think that whoever is their quarterback, the same exact line of reasoning Mike just had, their offensive line is garbage in Seattle. Whoever their quarterback is, if they want to get anything done next season, they have to improve this offensive line. They could have, they could use some help on the defense as, as well. But I think that the second best offensive lineman in this draft is Evan Neal. I think that's who they're going to go. 6'7", 350. Monster out of Alabama, guys. Um, you look for his size, the way he moves. It's kind of the way we, in our mind, see Becton when he's playing at his best. Just a big monster who can get all over the field, guys. Very technical, great fluidity for the size. I think for Seattle, they have a lot of holes, too. It's why they moved up, why they stunk last year. But I think, you know, Pete Carroll, what does he like to do? Even, even when they had Russell Wilson, they, they ran the ball a ton. That's what he likes to do, Pete Carroll. And they couldn't do it last year because their line stunk. And I think that's how they like to run their offense is through the run game. So I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to go ahead and take Evan Neal, Alabama, gigantic monster at tackle at number nine, Mike. 
um remember what we talked about when people are desperate um there's another franchise out there that is desperate they're trying to save face it's 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 terrible it's terrible and 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 the 12th man they're they're they i have seen horrific tweets being tweeted all over the fans are so upset of what has happened and transpired with the whole jamal adams and wilson and i'm telling you guys right now that this is the pick that i feel the most confident the most confident about they are taking a quarterback they have to change the narrative and it's not the right thing it is not the right thing to do you do what keith said that's what you do that is the smart thing like i was just talking about with the atlanta falcons the smart thing to do is to be right but sometimes and i see the seattle seahawks in a position here saying oh my goodness we just traded away russell wilson we're about to lose all of our fans we're all overpaid what are we going to do with dk metcalf and all that changes when you draft at number nine malik willis quarterback out of liberty it's all about the hope they just re-signed geno smith to a year what do you think that are they looking forward to seeing geno back there throwing they got drew lock are you kidding me you get a guy like malik willis and he's now fighting and an own that the writers got things to write about the fans have things to talk about and and he's now fighting and an own that the writers got things to write about the fans have things to talk about and that changes the whole pressure because everyone's saying it is the Will willis era that's what i see i'm very confident that if he's still there seattle will do that yeah and that's somebody with some great legs um, was decently accurate in college, but I don't know if he's going to be... I don't know if he has the passing skills in the pocket to be an NFL quarterback consistently, but he does. He is exciting as hell. And to what Mike's point is, I mean, Seattle's not done that good in trades and drafting the last couple years. They're striking out all over the place. They just traded Russell Wilson away. So I think it'd be a stretch. I'm not really the biggest Malik Willis fan, but I, I your line of reasoning might definitely make sense to me considering the spot they're at right now. He's I know you guys have the Fugazi 12th man that everyone, you know, talks about once Russell Wilson came on your team, but didn't exist for my entire life <laughs> until then, right? I spent my whole life, no one gave a shit about Seattle, the Seahawks, the fans. No one talked about them. There was no 12th man. No one said two things about them until they got good. That bothers me. Who was, the, who was the guy in the eight, in the late 80s and 90s, Bosworth or something? There was well, no, they had, like, their rated receiver, Steve Largent, who was a legend. Oh, Largent, right. right. They drafted Bosworth. I know. Bosworth. They, I mean, I just, everything to me in Seattle is just complete fugaziness, and I just hope they continue to stink, because I hate I hate manufactured fake nonsense fans when I'm going to Jet games for 40 years in the freezing cold. Miserable as hell! Whole stadium's filled up, we get no credit at all, and Seattle's the 12th man! Get out of my face! Garbage-ass Seattle Seahawks. Let's get into number 10 here, guys. This is what, every, this is what everyone wants to know, because a lot of stuff's happened before this number 10 pick in both our mocks here, Mike. I don't know where you landed on number 10. I'm going to go first. I'm going to throw to you. I think the way that this shakes out here, we don't get our defensive end at number four. Okay, I think we're going to take Sauce. Um, I do think when he gets here to number 10, people will be looking at the Jets to maybe grab a receiver, right? Maybe they take Drake London. Some people have, have mentioned that. I think on some boards, you can see Lave above London. I know Mike loves Chris Lave from Ohio State. But I think they're going to go at the end. But I think they're taking Jermaine Johnson here at number 10 from FSU. Now, this is somebody, when you dig into him and his background, I don't know if any of you guys are fans of the show Last Chance University on Netflix, one of the greatest shows. Sam, I mean, if you guys watched that, he was on that show, played at Independence, and kind of saw his story then. Went to Georgia, was a baller at Georgia, but didn't really get the snaps he needed. Wanted to go to FSU to get more snaps. What did he do last year? 12 sacks. He had 70 tackles. The kid had 20-something tackles for a loss. When you combine up sacks, tackles, and tackles for a loss, more than Aiden Hutchinson. More than Kayvon Thibodeau. He led the nation in those stats combined. This kid is six foot five, two sixty two. He is looks like one of those Greek god bronze statues out there. And I know he's someone that has kind of shot at the boards kind of the last month. But when you go and look at the tape, guys, he's lifting offensive linemen in the air and throwing them out of the way. I mean, his tape is as scary as Aiden Hutchinson's tape. The difference is he just basically had the one season at FSU. I could almost argue that for Hutchinson too. Let's be honest, guys. He just had the one senior season, which was great. But he projected the whole time to be great. This guy kind of came up out of nowhere. But in my mind, I'm thinking, if you draft Jermaine Johnson, now I know the pass block win rate has to improve. He has to get better at that. But if he's out there on the edge, and we have Carl Lawson, and we have Jonathan Franklin Myers, and we have Quentin Williams, 
Sauce Gardner's in the back with DJ Reed and Whitehead patrolling in safety. CJ Mosley in the middle. That's a problem for people on defense. That would create all types of issues for people. So I would love it right here if the Jets went ahead and selected Jermaine Johnson, Michael. I, I know some people have even talked about him going top eight, right? Even higher than this. But if he's there at 10, I hope we grab him, and I think we will. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I did agree. I had Jermaine Johnson as our pick at 10. Um, but I did a little bit more research, and I have a funny feeling that um, JD is going to take Karloftis. Jermaine Johnson's better than Karloftis right now as an edge. He's more refined. The Like you said, some of the knocks on Jermaine Johnson, his ceiling as an edge um, may not be as high as a guy like Karloftis. Karloftis is only 20 years old. He's a kid. And talk about Greek God, he is from Greece, from Athens, Greece. <laughs> and he moved over here. And uh, his seasons have been really, really impressive as a freshman. He missed most of his sophomore season due to COVID-19, but he was still voted uh, essentially second team. Uh, I think it was second team um, all-conference all due to the impact he made. In just three starts, he had uh, two sacks and a bunch of tackles. And he has a relentless motor. He's powerful. And the thing about him is just that he hasn't been playing this position that long. He's just extremely athletic and has he has more upside than Jermaine Johnson. And just the more I look at a guy like this, you know, JD took a guy like Becton. Um, you saw... Uh, who was the guy that went to the uh, Buccaneers at tackle? He was a better tackle than um, Becton was. But Becton had the higher ceiling. I think he Werfs, was, right? Yeah, it was Werfs. But Becton had the higher ceiling. He went with Becton. I think that when you look at Carl Loftus and you look at Jermaine Johnson, um, Jermaine Johnson's the better edge. And I would rather have Jermaine Johnson. But just looking at what JD has done in the past and given the youth, how young Karloftis is, I mean, he's just a kid. He's 20. Um, I feel like that's where he would go. Yeah, so the, his, the production in college doesn't concern you because as a freshman, he had seven sacks. I only played three games as a sophomore, but it, it's not like he lit it up last year either. I do. You see him in the middle of the first round. So obviously, he's a first-round prospect, Mike. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But number 10, that seems like a bit of a stretch for me. You think that you've heard or you think that he would go to the Jets based off of the fact that what? Just Joe D wants to take a chance on him? Because if you're saying Jermaine Johnson's a better prospect, why wouldn't you think the Jets would take him? I think because Jermaine is two years older than him. He's 23. And um, he has flaws to his game to which, you know, you're pretty much going to get what you're going to get from him uh, when he's drafted. Essentially, next year, that's where his value is going to be. Karloftis, um, yes, he didn't have the, the, the most tremendous stats last year, and, and he did get hurt that sophomore year. But if you're looking at um, what he's able to do, looking at he did have good production his freshman season um he's somebody that i think because of his age and because of the some the production it's not like walker who has no production he has some production um but he's young two years three years younger than jermaine johnson and he's his ceiling is higher so i feel like with what we have right now that may be somewhere that uh, JD goes. I would rather. Um, well, I'm trying to. What I'm trying to say is, I would go Jermaine Johnson. But listening to some analysts and doing some research, I could see JD go here. I'm going to just say that, um, it, just in case he does. So I'm not as disappointed. <laughs> get it in, just in case you have your pick and you don't get it. I know what you're saying. I would think this is someone. Maybe they don't need to draft ten because I don't see really many mocks with this guy going hot that high. So I mean. We'll see what happens. I mean, JD is shaking it up before we got Becton, like you said, and he was tremendous. What do you think, Sammy, coming here at number 10 with your board and what's been out there? Who do you want the Jets to take? Who do you think the Jets will take? Um, who do I want and will are both the same answers. I don't I don't think you can't take London. I, I just don't understand if you're if you're the Jets and you under, like you guys know, because you watch the games every goddamn week like me, and you're sad at every Sunday night, and you're like, I wish it went different. So you, we're a couple different spots away from being a really competitive team. 
Our whole entire offensive receiving core is built around small quickness. That's the whole thing. Even Corey Davis, as big as he is, he's not fast. And he's not oversized. He's like in that weird in-between where he's like 6'2", but he's not super fast, but he's not super strong. And you're like, okay, where do you actually fit in the archetype of our receivers, right? So you get a guy like Sauce, you've got Whitehead, the defensive line you addressed last year, but you never got to see it. Quincy is coming off his best year. Mosley had, what, 170 tackles or some ridiculous number. I think defensively, a lot of the narrative is the Jets spent a lot of off, uh, capital last year offensively in the draft, and that we're going to go defensive because we did that. And I respectfully disagree to everybody who thinks that, because I think if you're Joe Douglas, you want to make your team better. So you got a guy like Sauce to back up your secondary, and then you add another target for Wilson, because again, the more the merrier. That's why you signed Croft and use Mazzoa. Right, it's why you brought these guys in. So you add another receiver, and then you've got Davis, Moore, London, Berrios, Usmanzoa, and Croft, Michael Carter out of the backfield. You've surrounded Zach with a bunch of talent, and you solidify your defensive secondary by bringing in a safety and a corner in the draft, and you are the most improved team post the first round of the draft. Well. Yeah, Sammy, if 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 I were JD, I would go receiver also here, and I would take uh, I wouldn't take London. I would take Jermaine. I mean uh, uh, Williams because yeah, I love I and we talked about this on the receiver one. I love Williams too, but I just think in terms of what the Jets need, they need a guy like London. I think he's going to be great in the NFL, but I don't think that that's necessarily the type of wide receiver that we need to add when we already have two guys that kind of are in a similar vein, maybe not as talented, but I think Eli Moore can be as talented. And Berrios is that quick slot guy who just gets open, Edelman, Wes Welker, right? That sort of archetype. But I think you add that big stud who's gonna win a 50-50 ball in the red zone. Now you've given Wilson that safety net down there with CJ and him, who have, CJ proved himself last year as Burrow safety net. I, I just think it just makes so much sense in terms of what the Jets need and, and where they should go. Yeah, and if you look um, at the way Joe Douglas has drafted last year, he did go heavy offense with most of the picks in the draft. We played the season. We had the worst defense in the NFL. So Sammy doesn't think that's something they're going to try to address in the draft, and you disagree? I disagree with you. I don't. I, it doesn't make any sense to me because London's great. If they take him 10, I'd love that. But you just named all these other weapons now the Jets have and then said, oh, they need to add him also. I mean, that's not a spot that we're – that were completely, I'm not saying we're locked down at wide receiver. Corey Davis is, you know, like like Sammy said, he's good. He's not amazing. Elijah Moore, I think, is going to be great. We have two gigantic tight ends now. They throw the ball out of Carter out of the backfield. If they took London, I'd be happy as hell. We don't have a receiver like him. He has a unique player to the, to the team. But we haven't had a defensive end in forever. And every team that wins has a good, someone getting to the corner. My only argument is I think Carl Lawson we haven't seen. And I think he's going to be that guy. And we don't need to get a guy because with yeah. him and Franklin Myers, and Quinion in the middle with yeah. whoever we fill in that fourth spot. I think Carl Lawson makes up what we didn't have last year. That's yeah. all. And then when we get and the if, if we didn't have these picks at the top of the first, excuse me, top of the second round, where when you go through most of these mocks, plenty of these really good receivers. I'm not saying they're Drake London, but I mean Christian Watson could be there at the end of the first round. And you move up and get him. He does the same. I mean, I know right. he didn't play the same competition, Sammy. Size, speed, he might be better than Drake London. I'm not right. saying is, I'm not trying to be blasphemous. I know he didn't produce at the same school. That's level. my guy. I love yeah, that. I got your dude, but I'm just saying <laughs> there's, I in my back of my head, there's still options at receiver, even if they don't grip at 10, where if they don't grab a Carlitis, like Mike said, if they don't grab a Jermaine Johnson, once you get past the middle of the first, there's no edge rushers. So I know we have Carl Lawson and JFM was good last year, but I mean, you can never have enough of those guys. And the fact that we haven't had anyone to be that good, um, I, I'm, I'm happy at least at this spot, there's options here for the Jets. A lot of different ways they can go. They can help the offense. They can help the defense. A lot of guys they can get on both sides of the ball that we know are going to help us. They grab London, like Sammy said. I would be surprised, but I'd be happy because, like, wow, now we got another monster weapon. Um, if they grab Carlitis or they grab Johnson, more guys to help the defense. I think that's a good way to go, too. Let's get to hear number 11, guys, and then we'll close this out quick. Washington. I almost said the Redskins. Washington Commanders, the new name of the squad. Um, they have a lot of holes, too, guys. Now, you look at their team. Corner, wide receiver for them. You see a lot of drafts with them taking a wide receiver here. Um, I don't see them going that direction. I think here at number 11, Stingley's still on the board. They need a cornerback. 
Some people think he's the best cornerback in the draft. They could also take Hamilton if he's on there. They need a safety also. But this is a guy with an elite all-pro ceiling, Stingley. I mean, I like our boy Sauce better than him, but some people do have him as the number one corner. Last year didn't play as well. I know as a, as a freshman, he had six interceptions, which is ridiculous. You know, he was top 10 coming you know, t before this season started. Now he's like right outside the top 10 Stingley. But I do think it would make sense for them to go ahead and grab a corner here at number 11 for the Commanders, Mike. Yeah, I could see them taking Stingley. I actually have Stingley going to the Minnesota Vikings. Next pick, this one I've got Drake London because they went and grabbed the quarterback and they're trying to refresh their brand. And I think that they've got McLaurin out there. They could go Jameson Williams. I would go Jameson Williams, Edward Seaver, but I have a feeling that uh, Snyder buys into the hype and uh, they'll go ahead and take the basketball player out of USC and and uh, add that to the commanders. And next I've got Stingley going to the Minnesota Vikings. They need a corner, they need cornerback help. And I think that if he is solid, uh, Stingley, that would be really a huge pick for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I have them actually going corner here also. Um, McDuffie from Washington is the third corner on most boards. He's above, he's above Stingley on some of these boards also if you look the pre-draft height. Because this kid was a baller. He's a day one starter in the NFL. I know the Patriots are, there's a lot of talk. The Patriots trying to move up to get this kid. Um, that's never good. When you hear that, they, they tend to do good in the draft. I don't like hearing that. He's the best corner in the Pac-10 last year. Absolutely fearless player. I think McDuffie's a little undersized, only 5'11", 195. Kind of the same size as our boy DJ Reed, Mike. But I do think that they're going to go corner also. We just kind of flipped off there. I think they're going to take Trent McDuffie at number 12. Here at the Texans coming at number 13. I think they're going to grip up a guy you had going a little earlier, Mike. That's Charles Cross. I think they need offensive line help here for the Texans. Um, Mississippi State, top 20 recruit. Could have went to LSU. Could have went to Alabama. Could have went to ND. Decided to stay home. Go to Mississippi State. He's someone you can plug in and start right away in the NFL. Um, they need help everywhere in the entire team, as we spoke about earlier. I do see them going offensive line. The guy has great arm length. Charles Cross. Mike hasn't gone a little earlier than this. I see him slipping out at number 13 to the Texans. Yeah, and I got Jermaine Johnson going here. Essentially, if the Jets go Jermaine Johnson, which I think they should, that, you know, again, uh, then I think they take Carl Loftus. If Carl, if the Jets take Carl Loftus, then I think Jermaine Johnson would go here. They need edge. According to my mock, you know, they already they they already went and dressed the offensive line with uh, Evan Neal. So they would they would go edge uh, at this point with Jermaine Johnson. What do you think with the Ravens here, guys? Number 14, interesting spot for them to be drafting after all their success they've always had. They tend to go offense. I mean, excuse me, they tend to go defense always in this first round. What do you think, Mike, with the Ravens here with the 14th pick? So the Baltimore Ravens, you know, there is – let me go. Um, I think that they potentially could take the first linebacker at this point or – I have happening. You know, uh, what's his name? Nicobe Dean. That's, my, of, that's, actually, uh, that's who I have going to Baltimore, number 14, Nicobe uh, Dean. I think that that would be probably their pick for their C.J. Mosley franchise inside linebacker replacement. That's what I saw um, when I saw them picking here. Uh, yeah, I, I think that if all the offensive linemen are gone, this is where this is the direction they go. Nicobe Dean last year, guys, at Georgia. I know he's 5'11", so slightly undersized for a linebacker. 5'11", 229. Doesn't play 5'11", 229. He's like a Zach Thomas was 5'11", also. That guy was murdering people for a decade. How he's not in the Hall of Fame, I have no idea. Zach Thomas, one of the best linebackers of all time. Last year, the only player in D1 with five sacks, two ints, and two forced fumbles was Nicobe Dean. I think he won the Buckus Award, as we know, the best linebacker in the nation, guys. Off the field, awesome dude as well. Go look at all the stuff he does off the field. So this is a kind of a home run. I think this is what they need. They need a linebacker, the Ravens, and they never pass up guys like this at this talent level, especially at 14. I think he's the best linebacker in the draft, Mike, so we're in agreement there. I think Kobe Dean's going to the Ravens at number 14, and I also have a linebacker coming up with the next pick to the Eagles because they need corner help. They need safety help. They need linebacker help. Um, they could probably even use a little bit of wide receiver help. But Devin Lloyd from Utah, 6'3", 235, more of that prototypical monster linebacker you see in the NFL. 111 tackles last year and eight sacks. So this kid was a machine last year. First team All-American, 22 tackles for a loss, which led the nation. Has all the physical tools. Smart guy. I think he's probably the second best linebacker in this draft. Some people have the number one linebacker in the draft. 
Um, unfortunately for the Wookiee and the Giants, I think this kid, Devin Lloyd, is going to be tearing up your backfield for years to come, Wookiee. I got Devin Lloyd from Utah going to the Eagles number 15, Mike. Uh, I, that's a good pick. I also got them going defense. And at this point, I think they know Fletcher Cox is going to be leaving soon and they're going to get their, his replacement ready to go. And that would be Mr. Jordan Davis, who really had a phenomenal combine from running a 4.7840, uh, at his size. And I think that's where the Eagles will go. If they don't go there, I think they would go receiver, but yeah, I got them taking Jordan Davis at 15. And we're going to come to our last pick of this Mock Madness edition here, number 16, with the New Orleans Saints. And we'll be back next week, guys, to finish out the first round and bang out the top of that second round for you. What do you think, Michael? The Saints are another team, ton of needs here. Um, we know Michael Thomas is still, still a good player, but he's been banged up, getting a little older. You have Jameis Winston down there. They have Kamara on offense. And then you look at the weapons on offense. Not that many other weapons on that team right now. You could also use some help on defense. I mean, their salary cap situation, as we know, was a nightmare before the season started. So what are you thinking here with the New Orleans Saints, Mike? What direction do you think they're going? If it falls this way, I think it's a no-brainer. They go Jameis Williams. No-brainer. If it falls the way I got it, James Williams, they take him immediately because you got Mike, like you said, they got Michael Thomas. And then you throw Jameson Williams in there, forget it. With Winston throwing up all over the place, I think that's exactly where they go. Yeah, and he has went, Jameis Winston, some of the strangest stats you've ever seen last year on the Saints. He barely threw for 150 yards a game, but would throw two touchdowns every game. Made no sense as the year went on. So, what type of offense they're going to run next year, I have no idea. But I do agree. I'm going to ask the Wook and ask Sammy what you guys think. I think they're going receiver also. In my mock, Drake London still on the board, Mike. I see them gripping up London and him heading down to the Saints. All the reasons you mentioned early and all the reasons Sammy mentioned at 10. Why he thought the Jets would grip up. 2021 Pac-10 Player of the Year. We spoke about him last week on the wide receiver episode. He prorated his stat out over 14 games last year. They are absolutely insane. Okay, it's one of the reasons Sammy wants him on the team. Even with him only playing eight games, still at 88 catches last year, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, gigantic target, tremendous body control. I think Mike loves Jamison Williams. If they grabbed him up, I could see that too because the guy's ceiling is through the roof. Okay, he, he might be more dynamic than Drake London, but I think Drake London is kind of a sure thing can help that offense down there in New Orleans. Do another weapon down there, our boy Jameis Winston. What do you think? Well, with the Saints, kind of a kind of a transition period for the team there. No idea what their offense is going to look like when it comes to their selection in the draft. Do you think they can use some wide receiver help? Oh, absolutely. I think if any of the guys you mentioned are there, they take them. Um, I might have a sneaking suspicion that if Olave happens to drop this mm. far. They would True. scoop him immediately, and True. that would be great, great pick for them at 16 if he's there. That's a good True. pick. That's a good um, pick. But, I uh, think Wookie's right. They need Will, they I need think help. London or Olave could go here realistically. Not as many Absolutely. people are projecting Jamison Williams as high, but Jamison Williams, no injury. He's going top 12 probably. So that's why there's a lot of variables here when it comes to the scene. I agree with you, Wookie. I mean, Olave would be a great pick. He's kind of under the radar because of Garrett Wilson. When we did the wide receiver show, the guy has 32 touchdowns the past three years. That's crazy. Crazy stats. What are you thinking with Sammy with the Saints? You know the needs they have, offense, defense, a lot of stuff they have, the holes they have to fill. What are you going to do in the draft? Uh, I think they definitely go our receiver, and I have them taking Williams as well. Um, I just think he's a nice compliment to Thomas. When he's coming back, you got a 6'5", a 195, big frame. So you add a guy who can run those underneath routes, those deep slants, crosses. Um, I think it just – opens a field, like you said, for Winston a little bit, who's just chucking balls left and right. So, um, yeah, I got them getting Williams. All right, everybody has, everyone's in agreement with the wide receiver at 16, not with the wide receiver they're going to take, but the direction the Saints might go, we're kind of all on lockstep there. We're going to come back next week, okay? We're going to blast out pick 17 through 32. Then we're going to do the top of the second round, guys. And if you know anything about AEBG, that's where our bread and butter is. Hey, Denzel Mims didn't work out, but we knew we would grab him. Mike put you guys on blast and he told you. Okay, everybody? Last year, I was like, look, Elijah Moore, second round could be a thing. Guess what? He's on the Jets right now. Understand, everybody? So this is where we do a really good job. So come back with us next week. Go ahead, Mike. Dan, you, you know, you guys heard it here first. We were the first people to say, hey, in the second round, watch out. You know, watch the Jets potentially go try to get an elite running back. Right? We said that. And... There was some feedback, oh, they're not going to go running back. And then I'm not saying Mel Kuyper is the, the word, but he's got the Jets taking Brees Hall. And 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 we said it 
You know he listens. This, we said it. I know he listened. We, we, okay, we, because look, we, we've we, been putting you on blast, Kuiper, and we, now you know where to come to for the info. Because Mike, Mike said this two weeks ago, and now it's on your mock? Are you kidding me? We said yeah. this because we knew, look, we need to have value. We need to scare people. And if we can't do it with an elite receiver like a Tyreek Hill, then we'll do it in another way. And you grab a guy like Brees Hall or Walker and you put him behind that line with Carter, that is Sammy, that's an elite running back class. We, we've got one of the best, we've got one of the best running back groups in the NFL. We do something like that. And I don't care if Zach Wilson is great or he doesn't need to be great with a phenomenal running game that's just dominating with the line. Dude, the Jets will be hard to beat they're going to be me, difficult to beat and jet fans in case you don't know Brees hall has 41 touchdowns rushing the past two seasons he's ran for three thousand yards the past two years and averaged almost six yards a carry plug him in with carter and tevin coleman super underrated last year came in and played well i mean that's solid that's solid. what are you saying sammy i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you I, no uh, and that's again more reason why i like the london pick at 10 because i just feel like the new nfl you have to put up points and yards. So the more you give someone to do those things, the more successful. Look at every good team. And then the NFL is not the same as it was 20 years ago where Tim Couch is winning Super Bowls because he's got a good defense. That shit doesn't happen anymore. So you've got to, I mean, let's add the running back. Let's get Drake London. Let's bring it all in. And let's yeah, take I mean, some that would I would love if they went ahead. If that, if my Kuiper's mock is true, and I think it was that 38th pick, Mikey had it was. us up. And so, I mean, first of all, Brees Hall would be on the Jets because of you, Sam Darnold. That would be tremendous. And he's 6'1", 220. Carter's running around there 5'9", barely 200 pounds. We know Carter got the job done last year. He played well. As the year went on, he got better and better. But Carter's not going to be able to get the ball 20 times a game and get targeted five or six times again. He can't last the season. He didn't last year. He yeah. won't do it in the future. This dude is a bell cow. He's a bell cow. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, guys. Tune in next week to see what we yeah. have going in the mock draft. <laughs> uh, we're kind of tipping our hand a little bit. Michael, this is a great job. All, all you guys that are tremendous job today. If anyone does want to get at us or support us or be involved in the ABG world in any way, shape, or form, how could they do that? Guys, we're on Facebook. Please like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. We do a lot. The Keith does tremendous production work and puts a lot of time, uh, spread, blood, sweat, and tears into this product. Um, and so we really, really appreciate um, all of your likes and comments. Uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at AEBG.JetsRadio on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. Yeah, we know, you know, 80% of the people that tune in every week, which is many people, and we appreciate all of you, do just pop on the audio version of the podcast. But if you go and hit play on YouTube, guys, there's all types of different bells and whistles. You get to see our faces. You get some stats. You get some jokes. You get some highlights up in there. So knock yourself out. Hit play. Listen to the show twice. Hit listen to the audio. Then go listen to them on YouTube, guys. Help us out. Come on. Help a brother out here, guys. And I want to say, on behalf of the biggest Jeff fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, on behalf of the greatest tight end in the history of Maris football, Wookie, on behalf of the greatest high school football coach in the nation today, my cousin Sammy. I'm Keith Farrell. Catch you next week, everybody. Peace out.